Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig with details. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, Listener Mail. This is Robert Lamb. And Seth Nicholas Johnson. That's right. Joe is still out on parental leave, and we're still doing Listener Mail. And since we have a few bits of Listener Mail on this one that have to do with an episode of Weird House Cinema that Seth joined me for, I decided, well, we should have Seth in here on this episode of Listener Mail as well. Happy to join. All right, well, let's jump right into the mailbag here. We're going to kick off with one that's uh, another bit of goat listener mail. Uh, the, the goat mail keeps coming, and it should keep coming. Uh, this one comes to us from Chris from Chicago. Hi, Robert, Seth, and Joe in absentia. Congratulations on the new arrival. I have been ruminating on this email since the first goat episode. I was surprised by all of the goat lore and history across so many cultures. One culture of goat content that I enjoy is beer culture, more specifically German beer culture. Bach beer is a staple of old world brewing styles. Here is a link to a quick summary. And they included a link uh, that goes to uh, a brewery. And yes, there uh, there's a, some posters and images and some labels that... That, uh, that definitely feature goats uh, with, with large, uh, curling horns. Chris continues. 
from the webpage, quote, Bach originated in the northern German city of Einbeck, probably as far back as the 1400s. By the 1600s, it was being brewed in the Munich area of southern Germany. The name Einbeck was pronounced as Einbach in the Bavarian accent of the region, and Einbach means billy goat. Ah, never knew that. With that being said, a quick Google search will find you a plethora of goat and beer label images. One of my favorite Bach styles is that of the Doppelbach, or double box, slightly darker, maltier, and higher in ABV. My favorite example of the style is Einger Celebration. Hmm. They include a link to this. I'm clicking on it. It's pulling up the image slowly from Germany. And it's kind of stalling it. No, no, it's back. Okay. Yes. All right. I see this wonderful label here with a giant... It's either a giant frothing grail of uh, beer, or it is a very small one. Um or I don't know, or maybe it's regular size and the goats are small, but there are two horned goats on either side, uh, sort of dancing or rearing up against the beer. Well, if it's a double bock, you need double the goats. Makes sense. Double the goat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it does also, look delicious. I, looks almost like a uh, root beer float, but yeah, I, I, I think I just, I, I prefer a root beer to an actual beer. So so maybe it's just where my mind wants to go. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, Chris continues here. One of my favorite American and local breweries, Revolution Brewing, here in Chicago, has a seasonal beer called Baphomet, a Bach beer coming in at 6.66% ah. uh, ABV and featuring a great label with a rendition of the Goat of Mendes featuring some additional beer-specific changes. Please see the attached that's wonderful. Uh, a six point six six ABV, and the beer is called Baphomet. That's oh, mm-hmm. hilarious! Round of applause for them. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm pulling up a link to this here to see the cover. And, oh yes, this is very this is very nice. I'm not really a beer person, but uh, I if 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 offered one of these, I might have to try it out just because it has a very very metal looking uh, label on it. Very nice. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at the image here, and at first I, I was thinking, is this uh, an artichoke floating over the goat's head? I, I'm going to guess it's probably a hop. I'm, I'm not oh, a, a brewmaster, okay. but I believe hops look similar to artichokes, especially if it's zoomed in. So once again, we're getting into <laughs> the idea of scale, just like with the previous label. Is this a very large hop or a very small baphomet? <laughs> I don't know. Either way, though, great label. I applaud it. I'm also not entirely sure what a hop is. Are, do, do you think you know? Like, I know it's like a, like a you know a barley thingamajig, but like like is is it the flour? I I, I genuinely don't know. I'm I'm very ignorant on beer. Yeah, I, ditto. No, no. <laughs> I, I I am. Uh, I I've I've been straight edge for like holy cow, um, over a decade. I can't. I, I literally mm-hmm. can't remember the last time I had alcohol. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> These are beautiful <laughs> labels, though. It would uh, beer is also something that I don't think Joe and I have covered on the show before as a devoted, ep- as a, you know, like that how to of beer or or the invention of beer and so forth. The beer comes up now and again, but we've never really done an episode that dives into it. That would be that would be interesting to do in the future, though. Yeah. Anyway, Chris uh, winds it up here with thank you for all the consistently great content, Chris from Chicago. All right, our next message is from Keith. Goes as thus, I listened to your conversation about anti-witchcraft practices this week, and the part about shoes made me think of this meme. That is all. Enjoy. 
memes are, of course, visual, but I'll explain them to the audience here. Uh, we have the image of, let's see, it looks like the end of a uh, bench or a bed. And we have two boots sitting on the floor. Uh, looks like two Doc Martens. And they're very widely spaced apart. Like, got to be at least, what, two and a half, three feet as the two boots mm-hmm. are sitting on the ground spaced apart. And uh, this is the text on said meme. I leave my shoes far apart. So if a burglar comes in, they think I'm big AF. Ah. Uh, fair, fair, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, no, this does make sense. There, There is something, uh, going back to that episode that, that uh, you, you did, it was the interview where it was about uh, things found in the walls, whether it be, you know, shoes, et cetera, et cetera. And man, there is something spooky about a shoe by itself. I have no idea mm-hmm. why it is. I, 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 perhaps maybe like gives us like the vibe of like an invisible person or something maybe it's got something to do with like just the amount of life that goes into an average pair of shoes that it is like uh, even more so than like something like a hat or a shirt or or even something like a pair of jeans a, a pair of shoes really has gone places with a person so it does feel almost like a fingernail or something yeah yeah there is yeah, yeah, there's something. There is something strange about finding the one shoe. Mm. If you're out on a walk, uh, you're, uh, you, be it in an, an urban or rural environment, of course there are various traditions with the uh, the, the throwing of the, the lace together shoes over um, a, a power line or a telephone wire or a tree branch and so forth. Uh, this is all from that Brian Hoggard uh, episode recently. Uh, people should listen to it if they haven't. My favorite part from that uh, interview, something that's so obvious, but I never thought about un- until it was said aloud in that episode, the idea that shoes were not made for left or right feet. You just made shoe. And it was just, mm-hmm. you wore two shoe, <laughs> and ultimately it would form to your foot. And perhaps that's why the idea of Cinderella's you know, shoe fitting her perfectly oh, wow. was such like an individual notion. And it's like, oh, of course. Cause like, you know, I've, I've, I've heard that story a million times in my life. And I thought so many people are going to fit into that shoe if it's just a shoe, <laughs> but no, no, if, if it really was like, you know, her like old leather shoe that had magically turned into this glass slipper, then no, it would be like exactly her foot. It would be like a glove not to, you know, confuse my articles of clothing here. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is a great point. Yeah, because the, the, the leather shoe obviously is this thing that's already kind of flesh, mm-hmm. and then it, it slowly becomes more in tune with your body. Uh, but yeah, I didn't even think about the Cinderella comparison here, but that's I think that's that's right on there. It, it makes that story feel a bit more concrete th- th- than it used mm-hmm. to in my head by, by adding that extra little wrinkle of like, no, 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 shoes weren't like shoes now. Shoes were these yeah. very specific things that fit only your feet. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's that's probably a layer to it that definitely would have spoken to people in in olden times when they uh, they heard the story, read the story, or had the story told to them. I, I also bet because you know, I mean, uh, we here we are in the modern age. Uh, a couple of pairs of shoes that I buy regularly: uh, a standard pair of Converse high tops and a standard pair of uh, Doc Martin boots. Just two two pairs of shoes that I always have on hand. You know, you got to wear them in for a couple of days, and those are modern, made-for-left, made-for-right shoes. I can't imagine how long it took to wear in a pair of shoes that were two nondescript, just (laughs) pieces of of formerly cow flesh, you know? Like, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Uh, That episode definitely had me thinking more and more about shoe placement in the house. Mm -hmm. My my household is a a shoes-off once you enter the house uh, household. So we have all the shoes lined up in trays right when you enter the the house. And so 
after that interview, I kept thinking about it when I look over and see all those shoes and think of them collecting demons. And weirdly enough, it was either right about the same time we recorded this or a little afterwards, our cat started sleeping on the shoes. Ah. So now sleeping on the shoes is one of her favorite spots that she'll you know, get around to during the course of her travels through the house in the day. And she'll sleep for hours on the shoes. Well, well, the next time you take off your shoes in your house, do like this meme says and leave your shoes far apart. So if a burglar comes in, they think you're big AF. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to get into some of the weird house listener mail. And this is delightful because at least a couple of them have to do with uh, our discussion of Alice. This first one comes to us from Joe. Joe writes in and says the following. Dear Robert and Seth, first of all, hearty congratulations to Joe, uh, our Joe, on the new baby. Best wishes to the family. This is a little uh, off tangent, but after seeing the weird puppets in Alice, 1988, (laughs) I feel the need to tell you about some other weird and maybe awesome puppets, particularly the puppets in P. Lee, a puppet series that started in 1988 and hasn't ended yet. Yes, you heard that right. The show is still ongoing. There are some 2,600 episodes and counting. I don't know if this number includes the multiple spinoffs that are supposedly set in the same universe that follow different characters, but I'm a little afraid to find out. That's even longer than The Simpsons. It's because The Simpsons <laughs> oh, yeah? was 89. So th- this this predates The Simpsons and is still going. Oh, wow. That's very impressive. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be up there for like longest puppet show on the air in general has to be yeah (laughs) Uh, they continue the show is produced by p lee international multimedia taiwan and in my opinion has some really beautiful puppets unfortunately the main series is in taiwanese hokkien and the subs are in traditional chinese so they're pretty inaccessible to anyone who can't read traditional chinese however the 2016 collaboration with good smile Thunderbolt Fantasy, has English subs on YouTube. Hmm. The show is a Chinese CNCA series which revolves around cultivation, Taoism, flying around, super secret manuals and techniques, flashy attacks, big swords, and lots of instances of honor being impugned, then avenged. They also have a YouTube channel and has a ton of edits and compilations. They've come a long way since the 1990s, and I hope you get a kick out of seeing the difference in cinematics. Thanks for reading. These are beautiful. I'm looking at these right now, and not only are the like primary figures, like like there seem to be some um, humanoid-esque figures, but man, I'm seeing some creatures here. Um, like, wow, there's like this... Um, giant uh bear-like creature with antlers that is so beautiful looking yeah yeah i'm glancing at some of this footage as well i'm uh, an epic sword fight here uh battle on the shores of the sticks this is amazing looking yeah the one i'm talking about is demigod the legend begins and it looks gorgeous yeah anyway thanks for sending this in to us yes absolutely Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. 
And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. 
Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. All right, next up, we have a message from Tantry. Uh, They write the following. Hey, guys, love the show as always. I wanted to let you know about the tarts in Svankmar's Alice. Those are poppy seed kolaches. Is that you think that's the correct pronunciation? Kolaches, maybe? Yeah, or kolakes. Yeah. Spelled K-O-L-A-C-H-E-S, just in case you at home are wondering and want to look these up. I'll say kolaches for now, just going phonetically. Uh, Kolaches are the most quintessential of all Czech pastries, and poppy seed is the most Czech filling. Poppy seed. We did not say poppy seed, mm. but now, now that now that we're saying it out loud, I can definitely see poppy seed. So that's that's interesting. Yes. Thank thank you for for clearing up this uh, mystery for us. So, continue with the message. Sometimes they are topped with streusel, or sometimes, like an Alice, with almonds. So there we ah, go. There we go. Yeah. yeah, we had a big discussion about what these were, if they were teeth, etc. <laughs> whether or not they were just mud filled with baby teeth but no poppy seed with almonds Uh, back to the message uh it's funny that without context they do come off looking rather unappetizing in in the film particularly in a film where everything edible is made to look upsetting especially since in context they're the only thing in the film that seems like it's supposed to be delicious uh then they sent us an example image and you're absolutely correct this looks wonderful i would absolutely take a bite of this um yeah absolutely yeah yeah well, out of the context of jan Svankmeyer's alice uh this looks rather delicious <laughs> so um so yeah i'm i'm glad to to uh to, to find out exactly what this this was supposed to be and uh and yes uh tantri makes some some great points too about it. you could you could basically put anything any food item <laughs> in its place in Alice, and you would be a little suspicious of it, if only because it might contain thumbtacks in the context of of Alice. Yeah, yeah, because if this, uh, and as far as I can tell, this is one for one exactly what is in this movie. I mean, it it seems exactly correct. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, it's the only food that is not suspicious in one way or another whether it be the bread with the nails in it the marmalade with the thumbtacks this one never appeared to have anything foreign inside it at all it was always food throughout the film so yeah yeah anyway no baby teeth and mud poppy (laughs) seeds and almonds all right here's another weird house cinema message and this one comes to us from kate Kate writes in and says, Dear Robert and Joe, thank you for all your incredible programming. You are my favorite companions for running, and you always make the time fly by, even on days when I don't really want to be slogging up hills. You guys do such a wonderful job of science communication. I wanted to write in to comment on your discussion with David Streepy on The Gate, particularly your comments on the use of problematic language in the film and how that might impact your choice to watch it with kids. I had the experience of showing my kids the 1987 movie Monster Squad. Oh, I know exactly where this is going. This I adore this movie. And man, there is some hate speech in the beginning that makes it real Ooh. rough. Uh, sorry, I haven't read this in advance. I'm just reacting in real time. Please continue, Rob. <laughs> no, no, no. This, I'm, um, I, I've been in a weird spot with Monster Squad as well because I fondly remember it from, from my childhood. Definitely. Because the monsters are incredible. Yes. It's... It's a kid's, you know, 
kick butt kind of a movie. So it has that going for it. Mm -hmm. But uh, I've always been hesitant to revisit it and certainly to view it with my child. Now, I didn't remember the problematic language, but I remembered the whole the plot point about needing a virgin to do something, to close or open a gate. And even at the time as a child, I remember finding this weird and had at least had plot holes in it because I'm like, wait, they keep saying that, like, okay, the old man's not a virgin. He can't open it. It has to be the girl. But then it's like, does that mean that all the male children are, are no longer virgins in this movie? Like, there's, there, I, I had questions and had issues with it. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to have to explain all this to my, my son. And even more so, I would say even more problematic than that, because even Hocus Pocus goes down that route of, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> virgins being necessary for things to work with magic spells. Um, I, I my other least favorite part about this from just, you know, a modern sensibility and an, I, I'm an adult, so I can look at this with adult eyes, is there's a lot of peeping on a woman while she is not consenting to be peeped upon with photos being taken oh. of her and stuff. Not cool. You know, like, Oh wow. I don't remember that at all from this film. It was a different time. I get it, but no, nah, it, it was wrong then and it's wrong now. But anyway, back, back to this message. I, I, I can't okay. wait to hear more about the monster squad. Okay. Kate continues. What I had completely forgotten was the liberal use of hateful language early in the film, particularly the use of homophobic slurs by the bully characters. It was a huge shock while watching, and my kids picked up on my discomfort immediately. I would have preferred they not hear that kind of hateful language. However, we ended up having a very long conversation about words and how some words take on a broader and more harmful meaning than mere insults. We also talked about how the world I grew up in was more open in using those words, but they are still wielded as weapons now, and that it does real damage to people. Overall, and it ended up being an opportunity to talk with them about these issues, and the movie provided a context for them to understand. My oldest even referenced our Monster Squad discussion when he found my copy of Huckleberry Finn, and I told him why I had very mixed feelings about him reading it. I wanted to share my experience for any other parents who might show their kids a movie from their 80s childhood and they, uh, that they did not expect to contain casual hate and words they don't want uh, their children to hear. I would not have done it on purpose, but it can be a chance for a real talk about the power and gravity of hateful words. Thanks so much for all you guys do. Cheers, Kate. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful sentiment, and um, I'm really grateful that you did that with your kids. I think communication with children is uh, an overlooked art form, so I really appreciate that you did that. And also, I do think it also opens up the world to a broader place that once a child does understand the difference between something that happened in the past and something that happened today, not only can, can they now hopefully enjoy a broader range of entertainments, like, for example, watching like old Looney Tunes shorts and stuff like that. But, but mm -hmm. in addition to that, I think it's really, really helpful for thinking about the things we do today thinking about it from a future perspective and going, hey, in the future, what am I doing right now that I will probably regret? What words should yeah. I stop using? What, what what attitudes should I please drop, you know? So so I, I think that is very valuable, uh, Kate. So, so way to go with that. And also, I know how important it is to find really good um, podcast listening for jogging. So I'm glad we can provide that for you. It's a... <laughs> It's, it's, it's a balancing act. It's got to be interesting, but it can't be too interesting. You know, it's got to be like just right, you know? So yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These are all great points. Uh, I know also uh, racial stereotypes are something that also comes up yeah. in a lot of uh, films from yesteryear. And they those two will jump out when you least expect them. And um, and yeah, I, I have found that to be an opportunity 
for my wife and I to discuss those things with, with our son. Oh, and by the way, Kate also uh, uh, suggested that uh, Joe and I return to the topic of the electric microbe land episode. Uh, apparently, there have been some, uh, some more recent studies that have come out uh, that, uh, that suggests that there, there might be more that we need to discuss in the future. So I uh, appreciate that. Obviously, anytime uh, you're out there and you, you hear of new studies, new findings, new angles on things that we've discussed in the past on the show that could uh, be explored in the future, yeah, shoot them our way. We, we would uh, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Uh, we've got one more message. This is from Adam. It says, hey, all quick suggestion on some films that I've seen on the Mission Channel on my Vizio's TV's Watch Free app. Uh, I don't think I know what that is. Do you, do you know what a Mission Channel is? This my, my uh, so my understanding, mostly from being in, in like Airbnb houses, mm-hmm. is that yeah, some of these modern TVs have like their own little, you know, they have the little apps for the different uh, viewing uh, uh, services. And some of them have, it seems like there are a number of different services that maybe have more or less the same assortment of films that they offer up for, I think, usually quote-unquote free. So it's usually advertising okay. supported. I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my TV has something like that. Just like the, like a random movie channel that forces itself on me as often as it can. <laughs> it's almost mm-hmm. always showing Father Goose. Okay, okay. I got that. <laughs> uh, so so um, from Adam, these are the suggestions that uh, Adam is, is making. Uh, Black Star. Uh, Saturn 3, and if I remember correctly, Adam also wrote in and suggested Ice Pirates a while ago, and uh, Mm -hmm. Adam ends with, I'll probably return with more. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know what Black Star film they're referring to here. Uh, I know there's, like, Black Star and the Golden Bat from 1979. Uh, There are some other films that have the the title Black Star, uh, but I'm not sure what this is a reference to. One thing I, I love, and thank you, uh, Adam, for writing in with these suggestions. I mean, one thing I love about Weird House Cinema is how easy it is to find movies to do in Weird House Cinema. <laughs> like, it's just it's just a never-ending list. Like, um, sh- sh- should we kind of uh, spill the beans a bit about the next episode that we're doing? Would you oh, be okay yeah, with yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. It gives people a chance to watch it ahead of time if they want. Yeah, so so so, so uh, this is for this upcoming Friday. Uh, I I will be the co-host again. And uh, Rob was saying to me, "Hey, I'm kind of in the mood for like a uh, '70s, '80s fantasy, science fictiony kind of animated film." Uh, since since Rob knows my background and love for animation, then you know I, I'm like, "Oh, I'll happily oblige with that." So mm-hmm. I sent four examples in, and uh, uh, one of them is is this wonderful, wonderful film from Eastern Europe called The Treasure Planet. Not the Disney one. Mm-hmm. This one's from 1982. It's called The Treasure Planet. So good. You can find the whole thing on YouTube very easily. Um, if y'all didn't know, Brian Cranston, before he was famous, used to use a fake name and just make money by doing um, anime voiceovers and, and just various <laughs> dubbing. He is the star of this film, a very young Brian Cranston. Instance, that's a lot of fun, but also just some of the greatest animation. Uh, I also brought up um, the uh, 1971 film The Point, which is great. It stars uh, Bobby Brady from the Brady Bunch and Ringo Starr, and it's uh, made by um, uh, Fred Wolf, the guy that made that um, uh, one, two, a three Tootsie Roll Pop commercial. In oh, ad- yes, yes. In addition to uh, being instrumental in the creation of the um, studio that brought us the Ninja Turtles animated series. Mm. And uh, then another option that I really hope you do someday 
It's high fantasy Santa Claus mythology from L. Frank Baum called The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. It's a stop motion extravaganza. It is so strange. It's all about Mm -hmm. basically a demigod finding this abandoned baby. And so all of the gods need to come together and have a meeting about whether or not they can turn Santa Claus immortal, whether or not that's allowed based on the tasks that this human (laughs) Santa Claus has done in its life. And it's it's a trip. It's Rankin Bass. It's stop motion. It's beautiful. But then the one we settled on, because coincidentally, other than my uh, suggesting it, you told me you had just looked up the trailer recently. Uh, it's it's another Rankin Bass, uh, 2D animated, The Flight of Dragons. That will be this Friday's movie. Yes, I am excited to talk about this one. I, I watched it the other evening with my son, and yeah, we both really enjoyed it. I thought it thought it held up really well. Uh, its message uh, is is ultimately uh, just as important today uh, as it uh, as it was back then. So that'll be a fun one to discuss. And it is uh, it's 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 easy to find. You can I think we ended up doing a digital rental on it. Mm. So if you want to be be right there at the, the cutting edge as we publish this episode, then you can uh, you can watch ahead of time. Uh, you should be able to find it anywhere you get your digital movies. And if you're a physical media person, uh, I know I bought my DVD off of the Warner Archives collection. Mm. Have you ever bought anything from the Warner Archives before, Rob? Uh, I don't think I, I think I may have rented something that was part of that, that collection, but it's, I don't think I have owned It's anything. so cool. What Warner Brothers does this thing where basically um, they have an, obviously Warner Brothers has an enormous back catalog, not only with the mm-hmm. movies that they own, but a bunch of movies that, you know, they've bought a company and now they own that whole catalog as well. Like think about like, you know, the whole Hanna-Barbera back catalog, stuff like that. So mm. what they'll do is for all of the properties that are kind of popular, but not popular enough for them to print 500,000 copies of, what they'll do mm-hmm. is they'll just have it on demand. You can order one copy. They'll burn it for you, put it in like a printer, you know, p- piece of paper in like a plastic box <laughs> and just ship it to you. It's it's like the, 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 the cheapest, flimsiest physical media you can buy, but you can buy it. And that's the important part. And that's how I got uh, the Flight of Dragons. Oh, wow. Yeah, as far as I know, that's not one that has had a like robust uh, physical release, but uh, but but it deserves one. Yeah, it's 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 a great one, and I I recommend people watch it, and uh, we'll be talking more about it this Friday. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and close it out there, but keep the uh, the listener mail coming if you have any any thoughts about. Uh, the episodes that have published recently, uh, thoughts about episodes that should publish in the future. Everything's fair game. Uh, let's see what's going on. Uh, what, what have you got going on with uh, Rusty Needle's Record Club? Let's see here. Um, we just wrapped up a uh, month of requests. And I believe by the time this episode comes out, we may be just starting our full December of holiday albums. So, uh, yeah, oh, uh, I guess I'll say it in case no, no one's heard. Uh, I host a podcast called Rusty Needles Record Club. Find it wherever you find podcasts. You know, it's um, it's a book club, but for music instead. That's what we say. And uh, if you're just looking for um, some good music conversation or some good music recommendations, hop on by. We'd love to have you. All right. And reminder to everyone that Lister Mail publishes in the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast feed every Monday. Core episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Short form Artifact or Monster Fact on Wednesdays. And on Fridays, Weird House Cinema. Thanks uh, again to Seth for producing the show and, of course, co-hosting this episode. Uh, And if you want to get in touch with us, well, just email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff. 
Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 